You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Right, we're in week four of Supernatural. We are having some really fun conversations about the supernatural, about things that are unseen. Week one, I'm going to do a quick recap for us. Week one, we talked about who God is and who Satan is. We defined God this way. We said God is eternal, meaning God always existed. Say always existed. existed. Y'all, we don't have finals. Let's do this again. Say God always existed. I know I switched it up. That's okay. God is eternal. He is perfectly loving, all-knowing in all places, and he is all-powerful. So God was not created. God is creator. God has always existed from the very beginning. And it was important for us to remember that Satan and God are not equals that have both always existed that are in this epic war with each other. It's not like Thanos against Iron Man and we're going to see who's going to win. We're talking about God is eternal, always existed. And here's puny little Satan who is a created angel that chose to rebel from God, and this is key, you guys. Make no mistake about this. Satan's goal is to make your future just like his, meaning he will spend all of eternity separated from God, and Satan desires nothing more than for your future to look just like his. Week two, we talked about angels and demons. We talked about angels and demons have free will to serve God or rebel from him. We talked about five things that make angels awesome and five things that make demons dangerous. And I heard you guys had some really great conversations about that. Then, holy cow, last week, the preacher herself, Gunny, dang, dude, spit straight fire about Jesus and miracles. She talked about how God still performs miracles. She talked about creation as an act of God's miraculous nature. She talked about salvation itself being a miracle, going from death to life. She said it's the greatest miracle. And finally, I believed it. I was like, yeah, she's right. Death to life is the greatest miracle of all. And then she said Jesus still continues to heal today, that there's still miracles happening today. And what we are going to talk about for the next few minutes is what is spiritual warfare? What is spiritual warfare and how do we win this battle? So if there is a supernatural world, which we have talked about at length, if God is always created, if Satan is trying to mess with us, if demons are trying to distract us, then we need to open our eyes to the fact that there is a battle going on around us. And whether you recognize it or not, you are in a battle right now. The question is, how prepared are you for that battle? How aware are you of that battle and what are you doing about it? I want to jump in with this big idea. It's in your notes. Um, It should be in your notes or you can write it down. Big idea number one is this. 
You have an enemy who desires your destruction. That's kind of what we talked about with Satan, but just said in slightly different words. You have an enemy who desires your destruction. Now, if you're in this room right now and you're not a believer and you don't love Jesus, you still have an enemy. This is not just for Christians. In fact, Satan's goal is to keep you in that state of disbelief. Believing that there's no possible way that God exists. That is his goal. He is your enemy and he desires to destroy you. He desires your destruction. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 to 9. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, has any of you seen uh, Lion King? Everyone seen like the new one, the new live action Lion King? Don't make that smug face like you're against it. You guys, Beyonce's voice, can I just get an Amen. Like, Beyonce, that girl can sing. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I was just watching it this morning with the kids. Remember Simba, whatever version you're into. Remember Simba as a little lion? Remember when he tries to roar and he's like, roar, right? Like, he has this really weak roar. And then, and then, Mufasa, is that his name? I'm sorry, Scar. It's Mufasa, right? That's the good one. Mufasa, right? Mufasa. I was thinking Aslan, Crocus, and Arnie. Anyway, <laughs> Mufasa. Mufasa gets up and he's like, he has this like giant amazing roar right here's the thing guys some of you some of you no some of you some of you think of satan as this like like this little roar and sometimes he whispers in that way but make no mistake about it he has power that satan has a powerful roar it's not nearly as powerful as god's but it's a lot more powerful than yours. That you, apart from God, are like Simba. I guess Scar would be a better analogy. Is that Scar? Is that the uncle's name? I really should have done research. Anyway, Scar. Satan has a loud roar, and his desire is to destroy you. Listen to what the verse says. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the whole world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now, I tell this to your leaders all the time. Wednesday nights, like as our leaders, as your amazing faithful leaders show up every single week to lead your life groups, to pour into you, to invest in you. Every single Wednesday night, I end up talking with some leaders who go, man, today was the worst day ever. I got in a fight with my spouse. Um, I, I got yelled at by my boss. I'm just like, I just woke up on the wrong side. I'm just frustrated. I don't believe those things are accidental. I believe that Satan and his demons love to do anything he can to distract us, to throw us off our game. Have any of you, have any of you ever had like something come up on a Wednesday that was trying to keep you from coming to HSM on Wednesday night? Anybody ever felt that before? Look at all of us, right? I mean, all of us have experienced things getting our way. Now, now I'm not saying all of those are always like Satan working, but I, I do believe, I do believe that Satan desires that you would not be here. He doesn't want you to bring your friends. He wants you to just show up, maybe by yourself, put on some headphones or kind of be disconnected or not even show up at all. And so he's gonna do anything he can to mess with you. Friends, spiritual warfare is the, is, is the description of the battle that you are in right now. You are in the middle of a battle. It's called spiritual war- warfare. And here are the tools that Satan is gonna use. And I wanna highlight these so that you can begin to notice them. 
Here are the tools of spiritual warfare that Satan wants to use against you. Number one, he wants to lie to you. He wants to lie to you. He wants to tell you that you're worth nothing. He wants to tell you that if you lived or died, nobody would care. He he wants to tell you that everyone hates you. He wants to tell you that your community is against you. See, Satan is always going to be the one lying to you. God will not lie to you. Satan will lie to you every time. He, He will tell you that watching that Netflix show is gonna be way more worth your time than reading your Bible. He's gonna tell you if you give your boyfriend or your girlfriend whatever they want and if you pass those physical boundaries that it's gonna bring you together closer. Satan is going to constantly lie to you because he desires your destruction. You know what else Satan does? One of his other favorite tools is fear. You know, fear is never from the Lord. Fear, that kind of fear, not that kind of reverence that we have for God, but that kind of fear that keeps you from community, that keeps you from taking bold steps, that keeps you from praying for somebody, inviting someone to church, sharing the gospel with someone. That kind of fear that, that, that keeps you emotionally from opening up and telling your friends, hey, I'm struggling with porn right now. Hey, I, I, I'm struggling with lying. Hey, I don't think I should be in a relationship with this person right now. That, that fear that you have of sharing, that's absolutely the work of the enemy. Number three, he's going to tempt you. He's going to try to distract you. And he's ultimately going to try to discourage you. One of his favorite tools is to keep you discouraged because God's people are called to encourage each other. And so Satan loves to discourage each one of us. So how do we respond? And in just a few minutes, I want to talk about how do we respond. There's this amazing passage in the end of uh, the book of Ephesians. It's this letter that Paul, the apostle, is writing to these churches. And towards the end of it, he begins to describe something called the armor of God. And I want to just spend a few minutes talking about that. And our second big idea tonight is this. Every person experiences spiritual warfare, but very few know how to fight back. That every single one of you are going to experience spiritual warfare just as I do. But many of us don't know how to fight back. And that's what I want to spend our time talking about. Find me in Ephesians chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles with you. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, Paul says these, he's wrapping up his letter. So like he's trying to end on a high note. He's getting all inspired, but he knows he's going a little bit too long like us preachers sometimes do. And so he's like, i got to wrap this up, but I'm going to go big. And this is what he says. Finally. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, this is interesting because in the original language that it was written in, it doesn't really say, finally, be strong in the Lord. It says, finally, be made strong in the Lord. Think about that for a second. There's a difference there. Because somebody would misread this. They would interpret this passage wrong. They would say, okay, so my job is to just do, do, do a lot of things or kind of muster up strength on my own and kind of like, I'll say, God, I got it from here. I can fight Satan on my own. That's not what this passage is inviting us into. What this passage is inviting us into is to be made strong, meaning you and I do not have strength on our own to combat Satan. There is no way you and I, apart from Christ, have any leg in spiritual warfare. It'd be like you and me showing up to, you know, a a battle, a a war with like a packet of Chick-fil-A sauce. Like, I'm going to get you in the face. You know, like it just won't work. That's going to have no bearing. It's going to have no effect on the battle. 
And so Paul says, here's what you gotta do. You gotta be made strong. This is why the NIV says, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Here's a big idea that I need you to understand. Satan is involved in every personal and systemic evil or oppression. That any time there is any evil going on in the world and any time there is any oppression whether it is person to person or systemic, Satan is involved working in and through that. So here Paul says, if you've got an issue with somebody going on, it's not just between you and that person. There's other spiritual forces involved. What he's saying is you and I, we gotta, we gotta wake up to that. We gotta recognize that the battle we're fighting, that when we have conflicts with people, or when we feel attacked by certain people, that there is more going on beneath the surface than just tension or frustration, but it is Satan working to try to bring about division and oppression and violence and evil. And so we have to choose to respond spiritually, respond accordingly. And so what I want to do is, in your notes, there's going to be some fill-in-the-blanks. I want to share with you seven ways you can wage a spiritual war against Satan. And so when you feel those attacks coming, right, when you feel him trying to distract you, lie to you, instill fear in you, separate you from friends that you used to be so close with, give you a desire to do everything else except read your Bible and talk with God, that when you feel that spiritual warfare coming from the enemy, I want to give you seven ways that you can respond. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 begins like this. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. This first idea is he says, okay, here's how you're going to stand firm, and here's what the armor of God looks like. Now, it's a metaphor, right? He's not talking about, like, you put on your belt, and you're like, this is truth. No, like, it's, he, there's metaphor here, right? But he's going to literally suit us up spiritually with what it looks like to fight against the attacks of Satan. And the very first thing he says is stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. First big idea is this. Wage war by clinging to God's truth. You can write that in your note. The word is clinging. Wage war by clinging to God's truth. Now here's what's interesting is in the first century, oftentimes people would wear these giant robes. And it was, it was necessary for them to put a belt around their waist in order for them to be ready to respond in warfare. So if you were in some kind of battle, you would not walk out with your robe on its own. You would have a belt tied around your waist to enable you to respond quickly and immediately to the attacks coming your way. Do you see the analogy there? Paul says the thing that's going to help you most quickly respond to the lies and the attacks of the enemy is you and me clinging to God's word. You and me making a commitment that God's word is going to be the thing that we hold on to for our dear life. Can I challenge you, students? Every single week in your sermon notes, we have a memory verse. Let's read that together real quick. On the count of three, read your memory verse on there. One, two, three. 
That was the worst reading. Y'all can do better. I know you. I know you. Let's say that together. Here we go. One, two, three. Now, chances are, chances are, listen to me, listen to me. Chances are, next time Satan attacks you, you're not going to have your Bible right in front of your face, right? You're not going to have this note sheet right in front of your face. That he's going to come at you when you're weak. You know what you could do to cling to God's truth? You could begin to memorize God's word. That one of the best ways, my wife Sarah is doing this with our kids all the time. My kids know so many more Bible verses than I do. I'm so ashamed. They have it all memorized because Sarah's teaching our kids to memorize God's word. To cling to it. Let me, let me ask you, when you wake up and when you spend time with God, are you like grasping for truth? Are you like clinging on to it for dear life? Are you, are you like, hey, hey when, when, when the psalm says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and I look in the mirror and I don't like the way I look, I'm going to cling to who God says I am. When, when God calls me and when he, when he tells me that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, that, that he lives inside of me, that my body and my life is precious to him, that he died on the cross for me. Am I going to cling to that when somebody in my life wants me to physically go farther with them than I know I should? Am I going to cling to God's word when the temptations come my way? If you want to battle, if you want to battle well, if you want to wage war, you've got to cling to God's word. Number two, number two. Wage war by pursuing righteousness. The end of verse 14 says this. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. See, you want to wage war? you got to pursue righteousness. Righteousness is a right relationship with God and right relationships with each other. The definition of righteousness is not just you and God are super cool and you hate everyone next to you. And it's not, I'm super loving and awesome with everyone else, and I could care less about God. That is not righteous. Noah, what's up, dude? Sorry, I didn't mean to call you out. I love you, Noah. It's good to see you. Um, That's not righteousness. Righteousness is not just this way or this way. It is both. See, friends, if we're going to wage war, we've got to pursue a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. I want to read you a passage that I stumbled on. I've been reading 2 Corinthians and I loved this passage because it personally convicted me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 10, 11. Anyone who, anyone you forgive, I also forgive, Paul says. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Did we, we just learned one of the ways that Satan loves to burrow himself into our lives is through unforgiveness. You see, some of you are holding on to a grudge. Scripture would say you're nursing a grudge. I love that description. You're nursing a grudge. You're keeping that grudge alive. And guess who is glorified when you do that? Satan. Guess who is pleased? Like he just ate a ton of cookies and milk. That's just what pleases me, I'm sorry. (laughs) Guess who is pleased beyond measure when you hold a grudge, when you hate, when you don't forgive that brother or sister? Satan himself. It is one of the ways he wants to outwit you. He wants to beat you. He wants to get up in your business is by causing you to not forgive. So let me ask you, who do you need to forgive? Who's somebody in your life group 
Who's somebody in your circle of friends? Who's a parent? Who's somebody in your life that you recognize, you know what, if I don't forgive them, Satan will continue to be pleased with me. And can I just ask you a question? Are you more interested in Satan being pleased with you or God being pleased with you? Because if you're cool with Satan being pleased with you, keep nursing that grudge. But if you want to be somebody who pursues righteousness, right relationship with God and right relationship with others, it is going to require forgiveness. Woo! All right, here we go. Uh, number three, wage war by chasing after gospel sharing moments. Verse 15 says this. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Meaning you are running towards opportunities to share the gospel. To share the story of peace. I mean all of us want peace. There's no greater peace than being in perfect connection with your creator God. You want to outwit the enemy. You want to beat his spiritual warfare tactics. You run towards opportunities. You chase after opportunities to share the gospel. Especially when you are under attack, especially when you feel nervous about that. You go and you share Jesus with the world. Number four, wage war by having faith when times are tough. Verse 16, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Friends, you want to wage war? Have a faith. Have a deep faith, a deep belief in God, even when times are tough. I just wrote this in my notes. This phrase kind of came to me. Resistance is not reason to stop. That just because you have resistance in your life, right? I'm learning this. Again, my my wife and I have like started to do some workouts. And if you see Gunny, she's doing, I'm, I'm usually the one feeding her workouts. So she's doing some of the ones I'm trying to teach her. But if I've learned anything from working out, which I'm like two weeks in, it's this resistance is not reason to stop. That just because you feel that resistance, right? Just because there's something in you that goes, I'm uncomfortable right now. Like, I don't like all this sweating. I can't keep doing these planks. I'm gonna throw up and die. Like, just because you feel the resistance does not mean you should stop. And so friends, spiritually speaking, when you feel that resistance, when you feel the enemy pushing against you, Choose to not run away, but choose to press in. Choose to keep going. My greatest growth moments in my relationship with Jesus have come when I was feeling resistance, when I was feeling pressure, when I was frustrated, when when I didn't know what God was doing, but I chose to press in. Number five, wage war by trusting that you are saved forever. Check out what verse 17 says. Take the helmet of salvation. Remember, like guard your mind. Because some of you, Satan, one of the ways he loves to mess with you is he loves to get in your mind and say, are you saved? Like, are you really saved? Here's how you know you're saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you've given your life to that, then you're saved. Don't let Satan lie to you about that. Hold on to that. Trust in that. In fact, make that a daily reminder. Some of you, some of you, you, Satan just loves to guilt you about past sin or something that's going on for you. Every day you need to wake up and the first thing you need to say is, I am saved. I am in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And then live your life in response 
to that. Some of you need to wake up every morning and say, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Number six, wage war. This is my favorite one. Wage war by slinging scripture at Satan. Slinging scripture at Satan. Now here's the thing. Some of you have experienced this and some of you will experience this. Where you'll be laying in your bed at night and you'll feel like lies are coming to your head. I had a friend, I had a friend once who, he's a Christian. And remember, Satan can't, he can't indwell inside of you. He can't live inside of you. He can't possess you if you're a follower of Jesus. But he can mess with everything around you. I had a friend once who said he was laying in his bed once and he just woke up and he just felt this pressure on his chest. Just this pressure and he just felt this dark presence. Maybe some of you have experienced some darkness where you're just like, Something's like maybe it's in your house, maybe it's in your relationships, maybe it's in your room. You just feel this darkness, this heaviness. Students, if you ever find yourself there, I want to teach you what to say. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So this only works for those of you that are followers of Jesus. But I wanna teach you this, and I hope you'd remember this. If you ever feel that weight, if you ever feel that darkness, if you ever feel that oppression, here's what I wanna invite you to say. Jesus in me is stronger than you. Get out. I wanna invite you to talk to that oppression, that evil, whatever it is. You don't need to explore it too much or get to know it or anything like that. But I want you to remind it that the Jesus in you is stronger than that. Get out. You see, choose to combat the lies of Satan, the oppression of Satan with scripture itself. And then number seven, lastly, Wage war by praying and praising like it's all you got. Verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Live a lifestyle of praying and praising. Praying and praising. Praying and praising. And praising. My wife Sarah has this incredible quote that she said it for a long time now. It's one of my favorite things she says. She said this The most violent thing you can do against Satan is worship Jesus in your pain. The most violent thing you can do against Satan and the most glorifying thing to God is to worship Jesus even when you're in pain. Some of you right now, are going through some stuff that is incredibly painful. Choose, choose to worship Jesus even in that pain because that's the most violent thing you can do to respond to Satan. Friends, I just wanna close with this last big idea. The greatest threat to your spiritual welfare is spiritual warfare. The greatest threat to your spiritual welfare is spiritual warfare. So choose to fight back, but not with your own power, but being made strong in the Lord. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thanks so much for each one of these students. As they break into their life groups to discuss more, 
what kind of spiritual warfare they've experienced. I pray there would be honest conversations and that they would walk away feeling more confident in you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.